Howdy, you're listening to the Think Brazos podcast. BCS Habitat for Humanity started this podcast back in 2020 as a way to get to know our policymakers and advocate for good housing policies in a growing community. Over the last two years, we've interviewed experts from the Mercatus Center in D.C. on how better housing policies can reduce the spread of the coronavirus. We've talked to local residents about how proposed legislation in College Station might impact them, and we've interviewed local candidates running for political office in the November elections. What we haven't done yet is interview primary candidates, but that changes in 2022. We've just interviewed the four Republican candidates for Brazos County Precinct 2. Why just Republicans, you might ask? Because there are no Democrats running for this office, so the primary election is the election. By the way, even if you live inside city limits, you're still a county resident, so this election matters to you too. And if you're in Brazos County, but not in Precinct 2, you can still get value out of this series because these candidates discuss the challenges that the entire commissioner's court will face together, and Precinct 2 will be one vote among five for county-level decisions. Thanks for listening, and be sure to share these episodes with your friends before you vote, on or before March 1st. And just remember, think local, think Brazos. We are joined today by Mr. Russ Ford, Commissioner Russ Ford, of the Brazos County Commissioner's Court, Precinct 2. Thank you so much for joining Think Brazos today. Thank you, Charles. So we wanted to hear a little bit first about um, who you are as far as how long you've been on the Commissioner's Court, a little background about you, and then get into hopefully some of the issues uh, facing Brazos County moving forward. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about um, who you are? Great. If you don't mind, I'll start telling you about this process. All right. Uh, our uh, former commissioner uh, passed away in office. Sammy Catalina, Catalina was a good friend and my right. neighbor out in the country. Really? Uh, <clears throat> I had hoped when Sammy got ready to retire that I might, might be considered at some point in the future, but certainly I didn't want it to happen the mm-hmm. way that it did. Anyway, uh <clears throat> Mr. Catalina had passed away after the Republican primary, but before the general election. So the way that state law reads on that is that the Republican and the Democratic parties must hold a precinct convention. And I was elected by precinct convention, and then I ran in the general election against a Democratic uh, candidate. Okay. Was that in 2020? 2020, yeah. I I, I began serving in, I think, uh, November 2020. November 2020 as as elected. So now... We're two years later, um, so in November will be the final election, but it, it turns out that March 1st is really the deciding factor because the primary uh, only has Republicans. Exactly right? right. There are four, four candidates in the primary, and, and I think you'll smile whenever I tell you this, but at first I was slightly disappointed that there were so many people running, and then I realized mm-hmm. that one of two things, either I make this job look so easy or my opponents are, are going to make me better. In other words, I'll become more informed and more in touch with uh, with the constituents uh, yeah. through this process. So That's I think it's good, good point. for me. Yeah. That's a good point. And this is one of the, um, if I'm not mistaken, for a couple of decades now, this is probably one of the most contested that Precinct 2 is. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and, and for our audience, Precinct 2 is the northeast 
quadrant, the, I guess. The way, the way I the describe county. it is that, yes, we go all the way to the uh, Navasota River on the east. Okay. On the north, uh, OSR is a boundary. And then it comes uh, into town. We take in Miramont, okay. Copperfield, Wheeler Ridge, come right through the center of Bryan and go all the way out to, to, to Traditions on the That's west side. Right. So it's a very unusual looking yeah. uh, precinct. And I think there was some discussion about the new boundaries being Highway 30, so that's where that yes. ended up. Right? There, there, was a, there was a strong discussion about mm -hmm. that, if you don't mind. And uh, the, the uh, redistricting process, uh, we had some voting precincts in two that were over 1100 so they had to okay. be they had to be reduced right uh, and then also the other thing is that you don't want to split neighborhoods mm -hmm. and although highway 30 doesn't seem like it would be a neighborhood on either side mm -hmm. of the road uh, they all have college station addresses mm. they're in the Bryan ETJ mm -hmm. They have College Station Wastewater Service, which College Station hadn't extended those services out that far. Right. So it's almost a no man's land, and it, wow. it really does fit okay. uh, together as a neighborhood, Charles. Got but it. that wasn't what the uh, court decided to do. We uh, we split it right down Highway 30 because we felt like it'd be easier to, uh, to determine where the boundaries were. Yeah. So by the time of the November, um, like, whoever wins in uh, March and then in November, obviously, um, you would have been in for two years or a little bit more. Absolutely. During the last two years, um, I'm sure you just haven't been sitting around. You've been doing <laughs> some things. Uh, what are some some things that you would consider um, your best accomplishments? First of all, Charles, I'll tell you, whenever I came on board, uh, never having served in public office before besides being a precinct chair, uh, I met with staff and I said, I want to be the best commissioner that I can be. Certainly I'm filling some big shoes here, but uh, what, what do I need to do to really be effective? And almost without exception, they said, Russ, just be here regularly. Uh, evidently, uh, other commissioners and commissioners in the past uh -huh. uh, have not been particularly regular in their attendance except I at see. meetings. And uh, w one of the things I will tell you is I feel like that uh, if you're paying $87,000 a year for a commissioner, they need to be there every day. So that's yeah, that's I one of the things that, I, that I've done. Uh, is, is so make you have sure. an office in the I building? I do, yes. We've that. got an office on the third floor of okay. the county administration building. Got it. Uh, but the, the, the next thing that I will tell you is that just the everyday business of Brazos County, we're a huge employer here. Uh, yeah. Of course, our sheriff's department and our road and bridge department are, are the two largest. How many employees do you know? My goodness, offhand? Charles, you caught me at... at, at I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was about to say, I believe the county has over 2,000 employees. Wow. I that think the big. sheriff's department has about 900, but I, uh -huh. if you don't mind, I'll get back with that you. We, may, totally we may want to correct those numbers. I, yeah. have, I don't do a head count on it, but, but I will tell but you big. that we, uh, if you'll remember in the last election cycle, my Democratic opponent mm -hmm. didn't really know what the county did. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind, I'd like to spend just a yeah, second please. telling you what, what I think the county does. Please do it. We, we yeah. run the court system, mm -hmm. first of all. We run elections. Mm -hmm. We keep records, so we've got to have a courthouse to keep the uh, birth, death, marriage certificates right. and that sort of thing. Uh, we also keep all the DBAs for uh, businesses that are operating under assumed names or whatever. Uh, in, in addition to that, we, we do have a health department, mm -hmm. uh, which has been very uh, front, front 
and center mm-hmm. uh, during this pandemic. Right. Uh, with with the exception of the of the courts and the sheriff's department, I think one of the most important divisions of the county, particularly if you live out in the county, is our road and bridge department. Right. And uh, that's a, a constant struggle. We've got about 482 miles of county roads. 92 of those are not paved yet. So if you can imagine, Charles, to pave a county road with uh, contractor services, uh, right now we're spending about $1.5 million. So we've got over $100 million worth of county roads that need to be paved. Oh, and hopefully yeah. in, in my, uh, during, during my time, we'll get some more of them done. Uh, the Road and Bridge Department explained to me that, Russ, of the 482 miles, the ones that are paved are the easy ones. Now we've got now we've got to negotiate right away with mm-hmm. uh, with residents or or basically yeah. there's other issues. But of that hundred million hundred million dollars of county roads, if you can imagine, I've got extremely good experience uh, in road and bridge, mm. and if if we can save even ten percent of that hundred million dollars, that's ten million dollars yeah. to go back into our budget. That's so I, 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 if you'll allow me to, I'll just tell you a little bit about my experience with roads sure. and bridges. Uh, back in the 70s, I took a, uh, a year uh, out of college because I didn't know what I wanted to be and worked for TxDOT running a pavement testing and design laboratory. Okay. So not only have I, I run uh, the, the proper testing to see that the, that the mix is good, uh, then in 1982, when I graduated A&M with a degree in construction science, mm-hmm. I uh, went to work for R.B. Butler here in town. Okay. A lot of people don't remember Butler, but they were one of the finest contractors in, in the state and headquartered right here in really? Bryan College Station. Wow. So I built road and bridges. Uh, that was one of the things that we did at Butler. And then, if you can imagine, Charles, the last 20 years, I have worked for an engineering design firm, uh, and they design infrastructure. They design roads, bridges, wa- water lines, wastewater treatment plants, for that for that matter. So I've got extremely good experience in road and bridges, and I hope that by working closely with our department out there that we'll be able to, uh, to reduce those costs a little bit. Yeah, so I've talked to you. you- Briefly mentioned this a couple of minutes ago, um, but you've mentioned before about a mental health clinic. And yes. what I wanted to ask you, though, is uh, before my time at Habitat for Humanity and doing this podcast, I actually uh, worked briefly for a uh, cabinet company, uh, Kentmore Cabinets. And um, we actually were involved in building a mental health clinic down in uh I guess Rock Prairie Road. South College Station. And right. then it and then it seemed to have shut down and now there's talk about it again. Am I am I understanding? If we if we have time I'd okay. like to talk at length about that. Sure, because sure, what see. I'll tell you is I've done a lot of research on why that previous clinic didn't work. And uh, the general consensus of people that I've spoken to is that there was some poor management practices there. It is tough I right see. now to find mental health care professionals psychiatrists yeah. psychologists in other words there's a shortage uh in in that field right now however uh we're unique in that if a person uh, and and i think i've told you this before charles our sheriff's department handles the mental health cases uh in in town they deal with over 500 per year wow so the urgency for us is not just taking care of of our citizens here but uh, every time we pick up a mental health care patient, 
we have to uh, des designate a sheriff's deputy to take them to either Austin or Houston, uh -huh. which is a full day off off the streets and, and, and a great deal of expense for us. So we could save money by having a local clinic. But yeah. what, what I will tell you, uh, we are working diligently to try to incentivize uh, another company to coming in and, and that actual facility, which was an on a, a, an on campus right. facility, if you will, uh, you knowing it as well as I do, uh, we did have a different uh, substance abuse okay. uh, group that came in and took that building. So that building's not available. So we've got okay. to a, find suitable suitable places. Uh, and if if you can imagine Bryan College Station, a number of those mental health care incidents or cases are actually students mm. that are just over overstressed, over pressured or whatever. Sure. And they usually spent, I understand, about five to seven days in the facility here. But then if they needed longer term care, they would go back to their oh, home okay. where their family could uh, pay more attention on, on their, their care and, and, and their needs and everything. Got it. So we probably don't need as many beds for long-term care, a, a, a usual see. visit might be 30 days. <clears throat> Our yeah. visits here are more probably like seven days. So, Okay. Well, that, that helps because I was very uh, very curious about we, that. We, we are working diligently through EDC. Matt Prohaska over at our mm -hmm. economic development uh, has, has interviewed a number of people, and we do have one uh, provider. <laughs> that is interested in Bryan College Station, right. and they serve other communities our size around the state. Uh, what they, their initial thought was to have, um, you'll have to help me with the terminology, mm -hmm. but not the long-term care here, but like immediately bringing them in, and I, I know the correct it's terminology. Like an, it's like initial care. <clears throat> initial care. like that. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. But yes, I might that, be wrong. <laughs> no, no, I think that's exactly right. But then they want to move them to one of their other facilities. Yeah. Although I don't really understand the process, I think we would prefer to have that on-site care here in Bryan College Station. Yeah, I think it would be a huge asset. <clears throat> yeah. um, definitely. Let's switch to growth in Brazos County, um, especially in the ETJ outside of city limits. Obviously, the cities themselves are growing, uh, but that seems to be a really kind of a hot button button issue and has been for a number of years. Uh, you were actually elected to the policy committee for the Conference of Urban Counties. Is this one way that you're, as a county, trying to look at the growth going on in this community Absolutely. and what does it do? Okay. You've got me so, that was a long there's so question. many issues that I could Oops. handle there. I want you to help keep me on track. All right, we'll First of all, our population went to 233, 234,000, yeah. which means we are an urban county. Right. In other words, up up until now, we were right on the borderline, but we are uh, a full-fledged urban county now. Okay. Uh, secondly, uh, that growth uh, is projected over the next 10 years until we get to the next sentence, since, since right. us, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to maybe even increase another 60 or 70,000. So wow. we, we are growing here exponentially. Uh, <clears throat> secondly, uh, TxDOT has planned interstate 14 to come through Bryan and College right. Station. And uh, if, if you can imagine, that brings a tremendous opportunity for growth to have an interstate highway. We act, we're currently the largest community in the United States not served by an interstate highway. You've heard me say that before. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think it's going to be great. However, 
there are some unintended consequences that come along with oh, that. Yeah. I'll give you an example. 14 is, is the current alignment seems to be it's going to follow uh, 190 through Hearn and then down to Huntsville, down Highway 30. Mm. But they're also planning a loop around town. They're going to call it 214, at least at this time. That's how it's uh, designated. And that loop would actually go out to the east side of town, maybe through Curtin. Hmm. And if if we do that, uh, we're going to take some family farms and some houses. There's some houses to be displaced, uh, <clears throat> which is a huge problem for an, an unintended consequence of oh, our yeah. growth, if you will. But uh, actually, that uh, regional mobility authority, the RMA, mm-hmm. which was created, is the only opportunity that the county gets to have input on the alignment of that thing. Okay. So it's extremely important. Uh, I will tell you, Charles, I don't love the way that they're talking about financing the RMA. Mm. They're actually talking about an additional $10 fee on each one of our vehicle registrations to finance that. Okay. I would love to finance that thing by a user tax. So back to your question oh, about yeah. my being on the policy committee for urban counties, mm-hmm. currently the state would not allow us to fund our RMA that way. However, if I'm on that policy committee and interacting with the legislature over time, there's a good chance that we could influence that okay. and possibly get a different funding source for the RMA. So that's important. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is just in the last week, uh, <clears throat> it became evident that Brazos County does not have any current ordinances or laws on the books regarding sexually oriented businesses. Hmm. Well, with an interstate highway coming through here, Charles, again, those unintended consequences, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's important now that we develop some ordinances and some, some rules, if you will, to, uh, to restrict, because certainly we don't want those type businesses by our schools or, or right. uh, where children would be. Or your farm. Or or, <laughs> absolutely. So it, it's it's such a huge question, and I may have gotten off, off track no. just a little bit there. but No, uh, I, I wanted to, I'm glad you brought up I-14 because it's a great example. How do you, I don't know if you do it through the policy committee we discussed or some other venue, but how do you balance this tremendous growth that I, it sounds like you're, expecting. for the most part, for, but expecting? How do you balance that with the other issue of trying to maintain um, a certain amount of family farms, things like that? Is it even possible to, to do that? Charles, I think it is possible. And what I'll tell you is I, I believe most of us that live here recognize that we have a very special uh living yeah. situation here i mean we get to be close to to the larger cities you know and, and have all of those amenities but we also still feel like a hometown you right. know this is a place that you want to raise your kids oh, so yeah. i think there is a balance that, that we've got to strike and a part of that is uh to have a, ma- a good master plan for the entire county because they're not one currently <clears throat> i don't think we do we're okay. uh, we're currently not very good at planning i'll just give you a, a quick example uh, our, our needs assessment for our own facilities uh, mm. was last uh, worked on in 2005. Mm. So we're 20 years down, almost 20 years down the road. We just purchased a property 
uh, from Brazos Independent School District right. downtown cool uh, paid $2.3 million. And I personally believe that just the location being right by the courthouse and there not being any other any other property for sale near the courthouse as the county continues to grow, mm-hmm. I think it was a great purchase. However, we don't have any plan whatsoever how we're even going to use that thing. Uh-huh. So I think it's important that we do some master planning uh, with, our, with our own needs, but also on how, how we would like to see the county grow and try to push it in that direction. Cur- currently, a lot of our growth has been in, in the city limits and the corporate city limits. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the ETJ, the cities can expand out in, in, into the county as, as they grow. Right. Um, one of the current issues uh, regarding growth that, that I'll share with you mm-hmm. is uh, the city of Bryan uh, has permitted a wastewater treatment plant outside of their uh, city limits okay. uh, in the county. Uh, down near Coal Lane and Enchanted Oaks down okay. Highway 30. Got it. And uh, the citizens were totally un- unaware of this until uh, the uh, TCEQ uh, started having uh, hearings on this okay. thing. Well, because of the quality of life that they have down there, large lots, you know, mm-hmm. three, two, three, five acre lots, sure. and very quiet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you add a wastewater treatment facility, a 12 MGD wastewater treatment facility yeah. right at the end of your street, it changes, it's, yeah. it's a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Now, do we need that for growth in the county? Probably. Of course. <laughs> you know, in other words, uh, part of the way now that a lot of the county uh, uh, subdivisions, if you will, or development, uh, they use septic systems, which means you've got to have a certain size lot, so you can't have as much, as much density. But uh, I'm not crazy about the fact that uh, when you put a modern septic system in, an aerobic system, if you will, mm-hmm. that the uh, county health department requires a $300 per year contract to have a contractor come out and inspect it. Well, it makes sense because it is... Uh, a mechanical device that could, yeah. right, that could fail o- over time. However, uh, that citizen, they're paying wastewater service. Whether they, whether they realize it or not, that's, yeah. a, that's a deal. So uh, I actually met with a developer just in the last few days uh, that's planning a, a, a development down Highway 1179, uh, mm-hmm. Farm, Farm mm-hmm. Road 1179, and they're actually considering a mud district. And mm-hmm. the new development near the racetrack in College Station is a mud district right. also. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I personally like. I think that we're better served having professional wastewater service instead of having a bunch of individual septic systems I where see. we're uh, dis- dispersing the effluent uh, above ground on your lot and everything. Yeah. So. Well, let's let's <clears throat> switch gears then to um, a topic that you've discussed um, numerous times over the last couple of years, and then that is broadband and a need for having better internet in the county. Um, I assume your stance on that hasn't changed. Oh no, not at all, Charles. In fact, uh, we're mo- moving forward. I- I'll-, I'll give you a couple of details first. Uh, <clears throat> in our county because we have a lot of oak trees in the county, uh, wireless broadband has its limitations. Mm -hmm. And we do have some very good carriers uh, and service providers here in the county. However, there are a number of citizens outside of the city limits that not only don't have uh, high-speed internet service, but sometimes their only option is to to use a satellite service. Mm -hmm. 
I personally have that situation. And what I'm going to tell you is I know we spend over $160 a month for very poor quality service. My wife cannot work, for, could not work from home in her last position because of the VPN had to be a certain speed and, mm -hmm. and bandwidth to be able oh, okay. to uh, work from home. I also know during the pandemic, it's become very clear to us that as children uh, and students, uh, try to go to school at home. If you're in the county, you're at a great disadvantage, yeah. uh, an educational disadvantage. And uh, you know, we, I choose to live in the county because I because I I, I have a farm, I, I have livestock, and all of that. However, uh, to be able to work in the 21st century, sure. uh, we need high high speed internet out there. It's available. Uh, I'm asking uh, very 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 regularly uh, our commissioner's court uh, we were given 44 million dollars of uh, relief money if you will from the fed 22 million of that is actually in the bank earning very low interest and it's been there over a year uh, we do have a consultant that's telling us how to use it although i personally think we may be overpaying that consultant uh, if you're interested in the number it's over a million dollars mm. of that 22 million dollars However, we've not taken any action with that money. And being a businessman, what I get is as inflation goes up, mm -hmm. if you're earning very low interest on that money, you're losing buying right. power. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I have had some presentations that suggest for $5 million of that money that we could have high-speed Internet countywide. The, further, the furthest person out in the county could, could have high-speed Internet at a very reasonable cost, $50 a month being the target. What would you say to the people that would say that those that live in the rural part of the county, you know, there's a trade-off there is that you get this quality of life that they want, raise livestock, all that kind of thing, but in return, you may not have as many of the services. Do you feel that broadband is in a different category or I, I, I where could, are you I couldn't that? agree more with that thought and I recognize I choose to live in the, in the right. county. I, I, can, I can live in town if I'd like to. However, because of the pandemic, it's it's caused us to recognize that if we can't go into town to to an office, if you will, or, or a space, uh, it becomes almost impossible to be able to work from home or to go to school from home. I think that broadband could be more described as transportation uh, or, or a parallel okay. with our transportation system. Sure. Just because you live in the county doesn't mean that you don't have a road to get to your to get to your property and. Sure. Truthfully, in, in, as the Internet has become more and more a regular part of our daily business, uh, I, think it's, I think it's important that we provide that service to people that live out in the county also. So housing affordability with the last few minutes that we have left, we've got about five minutes. Uh, real quickly, I did want to touch on this, uh, that the county and outside of the city limits is... I believe becoming more and more of an important opportunity for, you could call it affordable housing, more <clears throat> affordable housing, especially things like modular homes yes. on, let's say, an acre lot. Um, there are a lot of young families that are likely looking at that, looking at Brian, prices going up, um, the need to get out there. Um, do you think there is a place for a, I would say, more affordable housing type outside of the city limits. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more that there, there is. In other words, I, I, what I believe is uh, the, the outer part of Precinct 2, which is what I'm 
very right. concerned about uh, generally has uh, BTU utilities, mm-hmm. which are somewhat less expensive than other utility companies in in our area. Right. In addition to that, we've got very high quality uh, transportation and roads mm-hmm. uh, to those parts of the county, and with our continued growth. Uh, one of the things we didn't touch on is that we now have congestion and traffic in the mornings when yeah. you're trying to go to work. And although we don't have a rush hour like maybe they do in Houston or some of the big cities, we do have some rush minutes there that you are greatly slowed down. So, yeah, the part of the county that you're specifically talking about, Precinct 2, has some very good arterials and transportation re- corridors uh, out there. I'm sure you're aware that uh, the highway department is... Uh, uh, planning on a widening of FM 1179, which will help absolutely. It'll, it'll even make it more attractive. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the, the the mud districts, in other words, having uh, good quality uh, wastewater mm-hmm. service. And, and I'll just share this with you in that particular subdivision that I was talking about in Precinct Two. Uh, Wicks and Water is one of the water providers right. uh, to the county, and they do a great job. I mean, mm-hmm. I really think that they're good. That they would actually operate. The, uh, the wastewater service here too. Right. So I think we're making inroads. We're, we're, we're setting a good foundation and absolutely affordable housing. Uh, <clears throat> the work Habitat, uh, Habitat does mm-hmm. is amazing in getting people into their own home. Yeah. It's, that's not only part of the American dream, but once once you get your own home, you're a contributing member of, uh, of our community here. And uh, so, yes, I'm very supportive of that. I'm very supportive of development out in the county. I think that's the way that we'll need to go as we continue to grow okay well i know we didn't get to touch on everything that we might have wanted to talk about but uh uh we really appreciate you coming on think brazos and talking to us about what you've done and what where you think we're headed in the future and is there anything last minute you wanted to say or how can people get in touch with you your campaign if yes. they should choose to if if you'd like to Get in touch with the campaign. Go to, go to our website, Ford for Brazos. Uh, we're trying to do a good job of getting our message out that we want to lower taxes. And in all fairness, Charles, because of our, our personal appraisals, our property appraisals went up so much in the last year. Right. And I don't think that's a mistake. I think property values are going up here. But the problem is, is that people like yourself and me that are on a, a, an income path uh, that fits with with the the uh, ability to live here in Brazos mm-hmm. County. Uh, <clears throat> we need to lower our tax rate, yeah, to the point that that people are not priced out of living in Brazos County. Sure. So I think that's a very important part of what we've got to we've got to do as a commissioner's court. Do you have a website? Uh, Ford for Brazos. Ford for Brazos. So yeah. if someone wants to get in touch, that's how they do it. Absolutely. Please uh, call, call me uh, because I am serving. Mm-hmm. You can also call me as your county commissioner. Yeah. Uh, call, call me at Brazos County. All right. Well, this is your Precinct 2 County Commissioner running for re-election, Russ Ford. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. The Think Brass's podcast is brought to you by Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Alexa. We'd love to hear from you and what you think of our content. You can send us an email at thinkbrasses at gmail.com or message us through social media. Thanks for listening, and just remember, think local, think Brazos. <laughs>